we've been talking about values the last couple of weeks, and we have things that are dear to us. When we started the church, we sat down with a core group, and we come up with 10 to 20 values and things that, that are precious to us and things that we want to guard uh, for. And, of course, we talked about one of them last week, and that was evangelism. And evangelism is definitely in our DNA. It's kind of what we exist here for. Uh, so this morning, we talked twice about that. We're going to talk this morning about the, third, uh, the second one, and that is community. Okay, that's kind of our second value is community, a place of belonging. We've, we've said that for, for the last couple of years. When people walk in the building, when they go through our greeters, we want people to feel welcome. And after they've been here a few times, we want them to feel like they belong. All right? Now, that takes work. And we don't want just our greeters to be the ones that make people feel like they're part of the community, that they're connected. We want, so, so it's going to take work on all of our parts. And we've got to guard against that, that we come in the church, we sit down, we kind of go through the worship, and then we go home and not really be involved and connected with anybody's life. And before this building, we only had one service a week, and we weren't able to get together on a regular basis. But now we have an opportunity to get together whenever. Amen? Amen. We want. So we're pretty excited about this uh, building up our, our values in the area of community. It's kind of what we're existing for. You know our mission statement is helping people find and follow Jesus. Helping people, assisting people to find Christ as their Savior. Uh, Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so we want to help people, assist people in coming into that relationship. with God. That's pretty important, amen? So then we also we want to help people follow Okay, that's our mission, helping people find and follow in Jesus. So we want to assist people in their following the Lord, and they can't do it on their own. They can't do it on their own. Even Jesus, when he got his 12 together, he got them together as a community and spent three and a half years in this community. So we want to assist people to follow Jesus, and they can't do it. Alone. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Genesis chapter 1. We're going to look at this because we're going to find that we are, we are hardwired for community. We are hardwired for connection. So let's read verses 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what I want you to see as we get ready to go into this, I want you to see that you belong to a community. You had this need. You didn't just wake up one day and you say, I want to be part of a community. It wasn't created by man. Man didn't just wake up and say, okay, I want to grab a video game and I want to play some videos and then I want to have some popcorn chicken and I want to watch sports with all these guys. I mean, we didn't just all of a sudden need it's founded in the person of God. In the beginning, God. Notice the word God's in yellow there, and it means Elohim. 
It is the plural name for God. It is referring to his trinity. But not just his trinity, but it's, it's God, it's referring to his majesty, his majesty. I mean, we're introduced to God in Genesis 1. We're introduced to him as eternal. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's already there. All right? He's there before creation. So he is an eternal God. But then all of a sudden we see his power. He's omnipotent. He created. Now the word, the word there when he talks about creation, think about this. I, I just jotted a few thoughts down from one of my commentaries. It's probably one of the most exciting verses in all the scripture. God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Listen to this. The vast galaxy that we live in is spinning at an incredible speed. 490,000 miles an hour. My wife went to Texas a couple of weeks ago, and she sent me a speed limit sign. And it was 80 miles an hour. And she was excited about that 80 mile an hour. Can you imagine here 490,000 miles an hour that, that our galaxy is spinning? Now listen to this. Even at that incredible speed, the galaxy, the galaxy needs almost 200, or 200 million years to make one rotation. <laughs> That's mind-blowing, isn't it? We can't even fathom that. It goes on to say, there are over a billion galaxies just like our in the universe. Some scientists, and this is what it says, some scientists say that the number of stars in creation is equal to all the grains of all the sand and all the beaches of the world. <laughs> it's incredible. So when God created the heavens and the earth in these next two verses, actually the, the whole chapter. When God created this, it wasn't just, I mean, this is massive. And he is omnipotent. So we're introduced to God in verse 1. Then look at verse 2. It says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep of the waters. Now notice this, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. So we, we have God the Father, we're introduced to him, but we're also introduced to God the Spirit. He's hovering. Now the word hovering means to flutter or to fly. In Deuteronomy it's used, and it's talking about an eagle hovering, stirring up her nest. So here we're introduced to God the Father, the Holy Spirit, as the protector. Okay, so... so then we go on. Look at verse 3 now. So I'm going somewhere with this. All right, verse 3. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that was good. Then he separated, oh, excuse me, going to verse 4. He separated the light from darkness. Okay, so God said, let there be light. Now, I've said this before. The Bible interprets the Bible. Okay? The best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. So in order to really understand verse 3, go to John chapter 1 in the New Testament. We have the New Testament to explain to us some of these mysteries. Look at verse 1 in John chapter 1, or just look at the screen. In the beginning, the Word, now notice this, already existed. The Word was with God, 
and the Word was God. Verse 2, He existed in the beginning with God. Notice, He existed with God. God created everything, notice this, through Him. And nothing was created except through Him. Now, you're not really understanding who is this Him? Well, you got to understand, you got to look at verse 14. Verse 14 says this, and so the Word became human. It's kind of getting clearer, isn't it? And made his home amongst us. Now, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So now we see, okay, this is talking about Jesus Christ. So we're introduced in the first three verses of Genesis to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. We're introduced to, in all of creation, all of them are there. So Jesus is not only involved in creation, he is involved in recreation. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it says that basically Jesus Christ was sinless and he took on our sin that we might be made right with God. Okay, so we, we have this fantastic story in Genesis chapter 1, and it's telling us that there's one God in three persons. So what we have here, now listen very carefully, we have a community. In verses 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis, we have, now you say, what does that have to do with this? Now listen very carefully, the point number one, all right? The essence of community is found in the person of God. The essence of community. It's hardwired in us. The Bible says that, that, that God is at the forefront of creation. God the Father is at the forefront of creation. But the Son and the Spirit was involved as well. Jesus is at the forefront of redemption. Listen very carefully. But the Father and the Spirit was involved as well. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit is at the forefront of our spiritual growth, but the Father and the Son is involved as well. What we have here is this fantastic community. You say, well, what does that have to do with us today? Well, I'm getting there. Just hang on. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Look what it says here. Yeah, Genesis. I was in John. We don't want to go to John. There you go. Verse 27. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female. So God created us in his image, and it's hardwired in us that we need people. We need a community. You say, well, you're really stretching there. Go to Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. Notice what this says. The Lord God said... It is not good for the man to be alone. He looked out of all of his creation, and what he saw was that everything he made was fantastic. He looked at the man, and he said, it's not good. Okay? It was not good. The reason is he was what? Alone. I'm going to make him a helpmate that is suitable specifically for him. So God created man. But he didn't want him to be alone. But I want you to notice. God didn't create another man. He created a woman. The reason he created a woman was because 
they could have ch- children. This two, these two could come together. They have children and make a family. And then these families could multiply and they could make a community. And these communities could multiply and make a nation. Notice he didn't say, he didn't create Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve. So they could literally become a nation, a community. Listen, we are hardwired for community. Every one of us have this need to belong, to be part of something. The problem is, in our culture, we like to be connected on our social media, but we're, there, there's more loneliness now than ever. And so what we want to do here at Real Life is we, want, we, we sit down, we want to have a culture, when people come in with this need, that this need is met, that they feel like they belong. Okay, that they're needed. All of us need each other. Look next to you and say, hey, I need you. Say that. Look, look next to you and say, I need you. All right. <laughs> now, I know she only did it to your spouses and to your friends and your children and stuff like that. But seriously, we have that need in us. It's hardwired. So God, God, the son, God, the father, God, the Holy Spirit, they're, they're this community. Okay. Now, here's the second thought. Okay, so. The essence of community is found in God. So this need you have, it's real. And God has created the church so that we could fulfill, fill this need that we have to be part of something that does make a difference in the world. Here's the problem, point number two. The expression of community is in the people of God. This is where it gets messy, okay? The expression of community is in the people of God. When God first made Adam and Eve and they had children, what happened? Cain rose up and killed Abel. It's messy. Then we had the patriarchs. We have Adam, or J- Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What a mess. I mean, there was favoritism. There was jealousy. I mean, there was deceit. You say, was there anything good? Of course there was. Okay? Community is great. The problem is we aren't like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit where there's no sin. We have this problem of sin and selfishness. And so it definitely causes some problems. Think about it. We all have different abilities. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds, different roles, different, I mean, everything about us is different, yet we're supposed to work together. Our experiences are all different, and yet we come together and we work together, and guess what? We don't always say the right thing at the right time. So the New Testament is given to us to combat these areas, okay? Paul the Apostle wrote many of the New Testament books to churches because he wanted to straighten them out. Let's take Corinthians church. The Corinthian church had a lot of struggles, right? I mean, they were denying the resurrection of Christ, the core of the foundation of what they believe. 
denying it. They were rejecting it. They, they were literally, they were taking each other to court and suing each other. The people you're going to spend eternity with, he's saying, hey, that, you're not supposed to do those things. They were bragging because they were putting up with incest in the church. Oh, look, I'm not judging. I'm not supposed to judge. It's okay for them to do that or it's between them and God. I don't have to deal with that. I mean, this is what Paul was dealing with, these specific issues. They were worshiping idols. And then think about Paul. Paul and Barnabas took off on the first missionary journey, and they established several churches. In that time, there was this guy named John Mark that went with them. And John Mark, for some reason, we're not sure why, he left during that first missionary journey. So they went ahead and accomplished it, and then they went to a, uh, back to Antioch. Then, then Paul said, let's do a second trip. So he got Barnabas, and he said, let's go. And Barnabas said, well, let's, let's take John Mark. And Paul said, no, we're not taking that fool. No way. And the Bible says their contention was so strong that they separated. Do you think they might have had some words? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Especially Paul having words for John Mark. So there's this great tension so they went out their separate ways. Now, later on, of course, Paul, when he was in prison, he said, go bring John Mark for his profitable for the ministry. So he either grew up or Paul either settled down and realized we need everybody. We need each other. All right. Here's, here's the takeaway I want you to grab from this. The big message of the church. The church is a great blessing, but it's messy at the same time. And so some people come in church, they've been messed up by another church. And so they come in, can I hear an amen? amen. And then they sit down, because they've been hurt, they've been judged, or something by the church. Well, we can do the same thing. So... We have to break out if, if, if we want to go beyond. Now listen, if we want to go beyond just the greeters smiling and making you feel comfortable, okay? If we want to go beyond that, that they feel like they belong, you have to help them in that. You have to ju jump out of your shell and say, I need you. <laughs> Do we need her? Yes. Look around. Say it again. Yes, we need her. Do we need this one? Yeah, but she's got bull sweatshirt on. How about this one? Yeah, we, we need everybody. That's the point. We are a community. We're not a performance for an hour of the week and then go home. We're supposed to belong. So, so what happens is, the churches have got to the place where they're just this performance and you just come and drop your money off and then we go on our way. None of those issues are addressed. So I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm the pastor. I lead the church. I'm the under-shepherd. And I'm sorry for the stupid things the other church has done to you. But I'm also sorry for the stupid things I've done to you or may have said to you because, you know, I, you know how, 
sometimes I say stupid things. How many, how many of you would agree with that? How many of you would agree that you say stupid things? We're all in the same boat. There's no sense in me getting up here trying to act perfect. You know what I'm saying? Let me button this top button. And just be proper. Seriously, proper. Uh, you know, don't, don't say anything stupid. Don't go off script. Just read the script. Stay put, Fleener. Because you know what happens when you don't. Okay, you, you get the point. This is where it gets messy. Because we're all different. And I woke up this morning on the wrong side of the bed. And my wife did the same. So we came to church in the same truck. Now, this didn't really happen. (laughs) For some reason, she decided to not come at 5 o'clock in the morning like I did. All right? She she comes later. But that's what happens. We we say things. we, We come to church. And sometimes things, life just happens. And we're just not in a pretty mood. And so we need to allow. That's the point. Okay, the expression of community is the church. It's us. It's the people of God. So if you want people to have grace with you, have grace with other people. We have to do that. Let me give you a story. Now, those are the negative things. Let's talk about the positive things of community. Okay, let me give you an example. Wish I had the letter up here, but I don't. There was a family back in Nebraska, the last church we were at. They had been coming for about a year. And, and, and we hammered on this as well. All the, all the churches we've been to, we hammer on community, belonging. Don't just say hi once a week. Actually talk to people at church. Come out of your shell. Ask questions. How, how, seriously, how many here this morning struggle with talking to people you don't know? How many people, we, we've grown... We've grown tremendously in the last couple of months. How many people, I mean, is there people here you don't know? Should we do an exercise right now? Okay, no, we won't do that. I mean, so, so if we're going to help someone that, that comes to church every single Sunday and they leave and they're not, they're not this emptiness, this community that need, and you're not helping them to fill that, they're not going to come back. Especially if they're not involved in a small group where then they can feel that connection. They're not going to stay. They're not, so they're going to go to another church and do the same thing over again. Can I hear an amen? And they just go through this vicious circle. We need to understand. We're a mess. Say it. Say it with me. We're a mess. That wasn't very good. If you really believe that you're a mess, say it. We're a mess. Okay. Look at your neighbor and say, you're a mess. No, don't do that. Okay. So let me give you this story. All right. Let me give you this positive story of the last church. And it was a mess. We had this Bob and Michelle. Just call them bogus names. Bob and Michelle. I did it one time. I actually said their name later on. That wasn't good. Okay, so Bob and Michelle. Coming to our church, about a year. And they sit like right in the third row, right where these young bucks are right here. The one that's not paying attention to me right there. Amen. Uh-huh. 
All right. They sat, seriously, sat there, the whole family did, and, and great people, and, and they had three kids. And, uh, you know, the dad, was, the dad was a great guy. I mean, he was a farmer. Uh, he had no tack about him. He just, just this is him. All right. So he had his, he's always had his arm around his son. His son always sat next to him. And he's always poking him during service. And the kid's always hitting him, you know, just leave me alone, Dad. So one day I said, would you leave the kid alone? How's he ever going to hear the message? He said, I'm trying to keep him awake. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was a great relationship. The kid was a freshman. Then the daughter was a junior. Another daughter was a seventh grade. So what happened was about a year into this thing, this family, their two oldest kids die in a car accident right down the street. I've told you the story uh, about how that they were coming, coming back from school wee hours of the morning after weightlifting. And it was on a gravel road because he's out in the country farmer. So somehow their car got underneath the back wheels of a semi. Both of them died. As soon as I heard the call, boom, I'm at the hospital. And I'm there with them. I'm the same. Both kids are laying there. They're both gone. But I'm there with both the mom and dad, and we're crying together, and we're praying together. Uh, that's, but I'm not the church. But over the next several days, our church rallied around this family. And you could see the community in action. I mean, I remember sitting around, there was like six or seven uh, people from church, and then this family was there, and they're talking about the funeral, and, and everybody's really just giving them scripture and just loving on them, and they're open to it. And, of course, they'd get up and cry and walk out, and then they'd come back. And, and finally, the, the, the dad said this. He said, you know, in, in all this plenty, he said, it's possible that the Lord wanted my kids home to have this funeral so people could hear the gospel and get saved. Now, where did that come from? It came from this, all of this community pouring life into them so they wouldn't be alone. So they had three kids. Now three's in heaven. They have a seventh grader left, a girl. Two of the families. Now this went on. After we, we, had, we had the funeral service, the school wasn't big enough. We had to go down to another building in another place. And we had probably 1,000 to 1,500 people there, not sure. And so we just gave the gospel. I said, I don't know why God would do such a thing. I have no clue, but I do know this. And then I gave him the gospel. Hundreds of kids raised their hand for salvation. And the dad talked about that over and over and over again. It kept him going. It takes something, amen? And so we had a year reunion, did the same thing. You know, a year of their home going. They were a year old in the Lord up there. And so many other people got saved. But here's what I want you to see. I told you part of that story before. I'm going to tell you this part. Everybody rallied around them. This guy was a farmer. But there's two families that rallied around this family and just stayed with them. Became family. Had Christmases with them. Had Thanksgiving with them. I mean, year after year after year. Before you know it, this was a family. No relatives, but it, was, it became a family. And, and the, one of this fa- these families had three boys. These boys were city slickers, but they started coming out to the farm, shooting the gun. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Shooting the gun on the farm, all right? And just having a blast on the farm with the, with the cows and with the pigs and with all this stuff. Just having a blast with all this. All of a sudden, I mean, six, seven years later, this family 
not only had one child here in heaven and two, or one on earth and two in heaven, they had two in heaven and four on earth. They became a family. Christmas, they'd buy the kids Christmas presents. It was fa- And even to this day, they go out every supper together. I mean, every Sunday together for supper. They're just, they're just family. Even watch Cornhusker football. It's always those three families. What am I saying? I'm just simply saying community is important. Can I hear an amen? It's valuable. So you have to step out of your comfort zone because it's not just my job. It's all of our job. We have to understand that everybody here belongs. We're a family. God's, if we believe God is sovereign, he strategically placed you here. You say, wow. And if he placed you here, he wants to use all those differences. He wants to use all those abilities. He wants to use your history, your background, all the things you've been through. He wants to use that to help me or to help somebody else. We, and I know it's, This isn't a song. We are family. We are a community. That's what we're supposed to be. Let's just not just grow, 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 and then the same thing happens. Let's function normally as a family. When I see my mom, I give her a hug. I see my sister, I give her a hug. I see my brother, I give him a hug. Then I pinch him. You know, we just, brothers, okay? We are family. Let's not get it. So, so the expression of community is the people of God. Third, and that is this. The anchor of community is in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay, so we have the essence of community is found in the person of God. The expression is found in the people of God. But here we have all right, the anchor is in, anchor of community is found in the person of God. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles or just look at the screen because we've got to hurry along here. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 through 22. So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. Okay, that's, we're Gentiles. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Look at the next verse. Together, we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now notice this, and Jesus Christ are the cornerstone. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone. He's the one that holds everything together. The foundation is him. Look look at the next verse. We are carefully joined together with him because We are a holy temple for the Lord. One more verse. Through him, you Gentiles, are being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his Holy Spirit. Okay, so so Jesus Christ holds it all together. He's the anchor. Okay, now if that be the case, don't allow, don't allow someone's faults Keep you from experiencing all that God has for you. Even right now. Don't let someone else keep you from experiencing the deep relationship with his bride, us, his body. 
the richness of these relationships. Don't let somebody's falls, faults and their flaws and their stupidity that you think is stupid and all this other junk that, that the baggage they're carrying, don't let that keep you from experience unity, connection with God's bride. So therefore, you have to keep your eyes fixed and focused on Christ. Because he's the one that holds the church together. Constantly lean on the Lord. Don't let someone else frustrate you to the point where you just say, I'm done with that church. I'm tired of that preacher preaching out of that version. Why can't the preacher just wear some dress pants? Yeah, I know who it is. (laughs) So what I want to do this morning as we wind this up, I want to show you a video. It's an old, old video, and the quality probably isn't there. But the message on what we're talking about is vital, that we need each other. So for the next, and and it's long, it's a a four-minute video. But I want you to just key in on the truth that we're messed up here and we need each other to be able to win the race that God's called us to run. Let's go ahead and show the video. Gave me a place to belong. We're all broken. Some of us broken more than others because of our spiritual time. We've been saved and we've been in the Lord. But I love the fact that he never checked out. Ben never checked out. No matter what people said, the looks that he got, he never checked out. And I love the fact that he needed a place to belong. There are people that need a place to belong. And the only way is that each one of us realize that they're running slower because of the situations in life, because they might not be saved or just some other things going on in their life. We need to understand those of us that might be spiritually faster, spiritually more mature, we got to come back. We've got to come back and help them finish the race. Why? Because they need, as he said, a place to belong. Apply this to our lives. Ben, there's so much you can preach from this. But I'm just simply saying, there's some people that come in that door that are hurt, broken, and a mess. We are too. But they just need somebody to grab their shirt as they're running on the uneven terrain Broken kids, broken marriages, broken families, broken jobs, broken finances. Grab their shirt as they're running. Make sure they they stay on their feet. Fantastic analogy. But in order to do that, we have to do what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, lift up your eyes and look on the field for they're white, ready to harvest. Now, to understand that statement, that verse The disciples went to get food for themselves, and they were eating, and they were begging Jesus to eat, and Jesus said, guys, listen, put down your food. There's there's other people that have needs. Quit feeding your face. He's He's basically saying, get your eyes off yourself. Eat while you're feeding and helping others is what he was saying. Fantastic idea. So let's 
let's, we're going to pray here in a moment. But as we, as we begin to pray, just be willing to say that I am broken. But I also know that I'm part of something. I mean, listen, some of this belonging can, can be found on a track team. It can be found at a local bar, neighborhood bar. I mean, seriously, it is found there. But why not that every person that walks in these doors, they find it here at church? Authentic, real, genuine, yes, I'm broken. But this broken person is willing to be a family with you. Broken as well. Let's be broken together. And not just have our nose up in the air that we're better than everybody else. Let's fight from becoming religious Pharisees. Fight with everything we have not to become those Pharisees. And think we are more important than everybody else. Let's all stand this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Maybe God spoke to you this morning that you need need to understand that Jesus is the foundation. He's the cornerstone that holds everybody together. And and you understand that, and and you understand that you're broken and everybody else is broken. And and God just spoke to you that you need to step out of your shell and get involved in a ministry in church or, or just quit being hidden within your world. You need to break out of that comfort zone. You want to be one of those guys running behind Ben, holding him up. Maybe you're here and you're like Ben. You're broken. and You're hurting right now. And you, need, you need help from the Lord. Wherever you're at, eye, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one's looking around. You can sneak out of your seat. And won't you come down here and, and just for the next couple of minutes, do business with the Lord. While the music's playing, why don't you come right now? Don't hesitate. Just step out. Say, God, help me to be the runner that comes back to help. Help me to be the one that asks for help.